Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Why don't we give it up for Pastor Pete? Awesome. You can uh, you can take a seat right there. If um if I was able to tonight, I would we would all go out into a um a campsite or a field somewhere, a property somewhere, and we'd uh light a campfire and uh sit around it and I'd um preach this message around a campfire. And so um I think we've got there's a campfire up there and uh that's the best you're going to get. And so um, you can feel the warmth. If you get closer, it's a bit warmer. So you can, yeah, it feels good. You can roast a marshmallow on the screen later on if you like. And um, <coughs> I pre- this message I preach, I preach it at our youth and young adults camp. And a couple of you would have heard it. Many of you won't. And uh, I've just been told it between two fires. And, uh, and I think it's a place that, um, that will be, it's a message that will relate to us. And it's a place where you've probably been at some times in your life and Maybe you're, uh, fa- you might be faced with uh, in this place at times in your life and you may find yourself in a position where you get caught between these two fires. And so I want to share a story about the two main characters are Peter and Jesus and, uh, and, uh, and what happens in Peter's life and what is happening in Jesus' life. And there are two stories I'm going to share that are linked, and both stories had the same two people in it, and they also both stories uh, are centered around a campfire. And so, I'm just going to sort of tell the story and walk walk our way through the Bible. And some of it's going to be familiar to you, some of it maybe not. And uh, and I just want to start by starting at this. There's, we're at the point in the Bible where the disciples are with Jesus, and they're and it's the night before Jesus is arrested to be crucified. And they're sitting around there in, a, in someone's house. They're sitting around a table, reclining around a table. And uh, it's, they've had a meal together. They've had supper together. And Jesus has, um, you know, had the bread and the cup. He said, he's broken. He's, this is my body and this is the cup. And, uh, and talked about all these different things. And he starts to say that um, Jesus says, I'm about to go. I'm about to go somewhere and uh, you can't come with me. And he's talking to all his disciples that are with him. He says, these are the close disciples, 12 of them. And he says, you, know, you can't come with me when I'm about to go. And uh, only I can go there and I'm about to leave you. And they're all like, no, you can't do that. It's like, we want you to stay here, Jesus. We want you to be with us because it's so good having you here. And so Peter is sitting there and, and Simon Peter says this, he says, Lord, where are you going? That's a good question because if I'd ask the same thing. It's like, what do you mean we can't come with you? Where are you going? Is it just up the road? If it's just up the road, we can all come. Is it like, are we going to walk a long way? You think we'll be a bit tired getting there? Oh, no, we're fit. We can do it. We can make it. Uh, where are you going, he says. And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. There's a lot in that statement too. But why... Can't I come now, Lord, he says. Why, I want to come now. I, he says this, I'm ready to die with you. I'm ready to die for you, he says. Jesus answered, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. 
And just imagine sitting around the table, all the other disciples are there. Peter says, I'm ready to die for you. I want to go where you're going. And then, and then Peter turns, uh, Jesus turns around and goes, by tomorrow morning, you'll have denied me three times. You didn't even know me. And Peter's going, no, no, never, never. I'd never do that. He's thinking, I could, how would I ever do that? Remember, they've spent three years with Jesus. Miracles happen. Incredible things happen. He's sat with them, taught with them, taught them all these incredible things about the kingdom of God. They're the closest friends. They're the closest disciples that were with Jesus. There was hundreds of other disciples that followed Jesus around, but these were the close ones. And then we move on in time to the next morning. And after this meal together, they go off into the garden, to a garden where they used to always meet and pray. And Peter, uh, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, I'm going to go over here and pray, but I want you to stay here and I want you to pray for me because I'm about to go through a tough situation. And they didn't fully understand what's going to happen and what's going to go on. But he's saying, please pray. And, and so he, um, he says, I'm going over here to pray. And he goes over to pray. And then he's crying out to God. And the Bible says that, you know, he, he prayed, you know, if this cup, and he's talking about this death on the cross, if this can be taken away from me, he said, um, God, take this away. But if it can't, I'll do exactly what you want me to do. And the Bible says that he, he was under so much stress that he actually sweated blood. And that's, that is um, scientifically possible to do that. When you're under extreme stress, instead of sweating normal sweat, um, you can actually sweat drops of blood and that's what the bible uh says it happened to jesus so you imagine how much strain and prayer because he understood what was about to happen what he's about to go through they all seen crucifixion they knew where the pain was it's the most horrible horrific torturous death for hours and hours and hours you can go through and uh, and he knew what he had to face but he also knew that it wasn't just that the physical he's about to take the weight of the world's sin including present past future our sin upon himself all of it all of it upon himself. And so he's praying, going, God, if there's another way, I'm happy to do that. But if this is your will, I'll go through with it. And then he goes back and he says to these disciples about, um, you know, pray with me. He goes back and they're all asleep. Who's ever fallen asleep praying? Probably all of us. And, uh, and so he goes, wakes them up, come on, pray. And he goes back and prays, comes back, they're asleep again. Comes back, they're asleep again a third time. And then by that time, this Judas had betrayed uh, Jesus and gone to the high priest and said, I know where he is and you can come and take him there. And they come, it's about three in the morning, early in the morning. And, um, and instead of just bringing, they go to arrest one man. Instead of going to just with a small group of soldiers, there's like 50 soldiers come to arrest Jesus. And so they're in the garden. And then it says in Luke twenty-two forty-seven. but even as Jesus had said this, he was talking to the disciples about praying. It says, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they suddenly realized, hang on, this is serious. Uh, they exclaimed, Lord, shall we, shall we fight? They were serious. We brought the swords. They've got the swords. They were like, we've fallen Jesus, miracles happened, raising people from the dead, but they still had swords. And so it's like, we brought the swords, we're ready for a fight. And, uh, and one of them, and it's Peter who did this, struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. So Peter thought, I'm not waiting, I'm just pulling out the sword. Remember? Remember, I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll die with you. I'll do whatever it takes. And he, he showed it. 
I'm going to defend you, G. Pulls out the sword, slashes off the servant. I'm good, glad he just got his ear and didn't kill him. And um, slashes off the servant's ear. And, uh, and then, in another version, it says that, that Jesus just walks straight up. And he says, put the sword away. Walks straight up to this servant. Puts his hand over. Didn't pick up the ear that was probably on the ground somewhere. Walks up, puts his hand over his ear and, and heals him instantly and gives him a brand new ear. Could have done many things. He could have just... You know, the Bible says when they actually walked up and they, and they said, where's Jesus? We're looking for Jesus. He said, I am he, the Bible says. And as he spoke the words, I am, which are very significant in the word of God, he says, as he spoke those words, all 50 soldiers, including Judas, fell to the ground. That wasn't because he blew really hard. It's because the power that carried in those words, I am, meaning I'm everything. I'm the creator. I'm the first and last, beginning, the ending, and the, carried such power and authority. As he spoke it, they fell to the ground. And he said, and then and they, say, and they said again, Who, who's Jesus? They all get up. Who's Jesus? He says, I am he. And they come over. Peter slashes off his ear. All this stuff happens. Jesus says, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear, healed him. And Jesus spoke to the leading priest and the captain of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he said, that you come with me with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day, but this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. And for a moment... Jesus allowed himself to be captured because if he wanted to, he could have called down a whole host of angels. If he wanted to, he could have walked straight through the crowd and they couldn't do anything about it because he carried such power and authority. But he allowed himself to be captured, allowed himself to be crucified, to die for us because that was God's plan. He was always the plan to sacrifice his life. He was the only one that could do it for you and for me. (coughs) So then we see this story happen where they arrest Jesus they beat him up, they tie him up, do all this kind of stuff, and they take him, and the disciples flee, apart from a couple of them. The others just take off. We're out of here. We don't want to be arrested. We don't know what's going on. But Peter and another disciple, they follow at a sort of at a distance, follow where Jesus goes. And it says in, um, down a bit further, so they arrested, Jesus, arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards and Guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. So suddenly we've got this situation where we've got a fire. And if we were sitting around a fire, we're kind of like the atmosphere would be similar. You can imagine just sitting around a campfire and, and these guards are there and people are there in a courtyard of this home. Sat around it. Peter joined them there. And a servant girl noticed him to the, in the firelight and began staring at him. Remember this is early in the morning, you know, getting, probably getting closer to daylight. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. And Peter just seen what's going on. They'd arrested him. They'd beaten Jesus. They'd done all kinds of things to him. And Jesus is sort of taken away and tied up. And, and by this time, Peter's sort of standing there, seeing what's going on. And Peter denies. He says, woman, he says, I don't even know him. Don't even, I, don't, I don't know Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's not me. Not me. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. He says, no, man, I'm not. He says, I'm not. I'm not him. It's the wrong person. Third time, about an hour later, someone 
else insisted this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. In other words, they noticed that his speech was different. He spoke differently. He's a Galilean. He must be one. And then Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Jesus knew exactly, you know, what was going to happen. While he was, he didn't even finish his sentence and a rooster starts to crow. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now imagine sitting around the fire, you're Peter. Three people have asked you, do you know Jesus? In the last sort of hour and a half, they'd asked the question. And he's sitting there around this fire. Jesus off in the, on the side over there with guards probably next to him, standing next to him all tied up, and the rooster crows, and at that moment, Jesus turns and just looks at Peter. Imagine what Peter's thinking at that moment. Suddenly the Lord's words flash through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. He just... You imagine, you looked and thought, what have I done? And he just starts to cry and just gone. I'm out of here. And it says the guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him, said, prophesy to us. Who hit you this time? They heard all kinds of terrible insults at him. He got taken away in front of Pilate and <clears throat> whole court thing, which was a whole, you know, false accusations, a whole lot of stuff. And, and in the end, was sentenced to be crucified. And Peter didn't get another opportunity at all between then and when Jesus was sent to the cross to even see, talk to Jesus or say anything to Jesus again from that moment in time. So one moment, about six, seven hours before, Peter is at a table saying, I'll die with you. I want to I go where you're going. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go here, go there. I'm going to stand up. And, and next minute he's slashing off, defending Jesus, slashing off a slave's ear. And then a few hours later, he's denied three times that he even knows Jesus. Has no, I don't even know him. Don't want anything to do with him. Don't know what you're talking about. You're mistaken. And then suddenly he, Jesus looks at him and he realizes what he's done and he takes off. I want to ask you a few questions. Why do you think, and I want someone, you can, you can yell out an answer, you can do whatever you want. Why do you think Peter denied him? Fear. You're scared? Scared of maybe what was going to happen to him? Scared of what people, got, he did, thought, I may get beaten up, I may get tied up if they think I'm with Jesus or whatever. So suddenly he was like, I'll die with you. But when it came to the crunch, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. I'll just, I'll just sit around the fire. And so, Peter probably was scared. Do you think Peter still cared about Jesus? Yeah. And how do you think Peter felt after this happened? Shame, guilt. Yeah. Think, what have I done? Probably thought, I've blown it. Three years down the drain, I was like, one, he knew he was like he was one of the main guys that Jesus was close to. He brought him in close, told him all things that 
things that others he didn't tell and shared things about the kingdom of God he shared with no one else. And he thought, that's it, I've blown it. I'm just, Jesus, Jesus looked at me. He probably just doesn't like me anymore. Blown it. And so he just takes off. How do you think Jesus felt? Ever thought how Jesus felt? In that? Have you ever thought how Jesus felt in that situation? Betrayed? Jesus was, the Bible says he was fully God but fully man. In other words, he was like you and me. He didn't, he wasn't just, he couldn't just, I'm just like God walking on earth. He was, but he actually allowed him his glory be taken from him and, had, and the Holy Spirit came upon him like it comes upon us and he was a man just like us so he felt emotions he felt all that kind of stuff so do you think Jesus felt sad you think he felt betrayed even though he knew it was going to happen because he said you're going to do this at that moment he suddenly says oh well uh, he's Peter's followed me here he is but suddenly he sees Peter take off and Jesus is alone, surrounded by guards. And straight after, they just start whacking into him, hitting him, beating him, spitting on him, all kinds of terrible insults at him. And Jesus is there, taking a beating by himself. Has this ever happened to you with a friend? Have you ever felt like, or has everyone, anyone ever betrayed you? Thinking, saying, I'll be there, I'll do it. You know, it might be to this extent or whatever, but it could be like, you know, I, I promise I'll be there, but then they just don't show up. Or they go, oh, no, sorry. I was going to be, but sorry. And maybe it's happened once, it's happened twice, it's happened three times. Or maybe have you been in that situation where you said, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there to help you. I'll be there to do, I'll, I'll never do that. I'll never, but suddenly you've done it. You go, why did I do that? Who can relate to that? Let's go a little bit deeper. Have you ever denied Jesus? Because it could look like this. It could be like you could be at school. You could be. It could have been at work. You could have been up the street. You could have been wherever. And it could be as simple as having a conversation with someone. Going, you know, someone says, "Oh, what did you do on the weekend?" Or, or you, you go to you go to church, don't you? You go and. You go to church, I've heard you go to church and, and go there. And they could be just asking out of, um, you know, thinking because they're interested or whatever. Or you could be thinking, oh, they, they're going to like bag me out. They're gonna, and so suddenly you go, oh, oh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, sometimes I do. Or, oh, yeah, it's, oh, sometimes go along, but you kind of just push it away. Oh, but they say, oh, you went out, you went out, you know, especially with young people and stuff. It's like, oh, you went out, you know, you go to school. So, oh, you went out, to, you go to the party on the weekend. Oh, yeah, I went to the party on the way. It was awesome, you know. It's easy to talk about going to a party. Everyone goes to the party. What would you do? Oh, we just did stupid stuff. But, um, but yeah, I went to the party on the weekend. But if someone says, oh, did you go to church on the week? Oh, maybe. And so sometimes we can, without even trying it, we can, by physically denying our relationship with Jesus or being ashamed maybe that we're, walking with him or in some way ashamed, it's like Peter was where we can deny Jesus. And so at times in our lives, and we can do that for different reasons, we can, we can think, oh, people are going to 
you know, say things to us or label us or do things and say things and we can be scared of that like Peter was. But sometimes Peter, people can be doing that because they're genuinely interested about, I see your life, I see there's something different about you, I want what you've got. And they, so they start to ask you a question about, do you go to church on the weekend? Because the next question might be, would it be okay if I could come? And sometimes we miss opportunities because we assume people are wanting to, you know, bag us down or pull us down or whatever. But often I've found that that's at least 5 or 10% of people want to do that. Most people want, are interested because they see something incredibly different in you that they haven't got. And so don't ever think that, you know, God hasn't set those situations up. It's an incredible opportunity for you to actually just make a difference and, and let Jesus shine through you. And so we've, you've probably all been there at times where you felt, oh, we've maybe denied him, we've maybe done this, we've maybe done that, and maybe feel distant. We, afterwards we go, why did I say that? And sometimes we can feel like God looks at us and we're like, what would you do that for? Jesus just turns and looks at Peter and sometimes we can do something like that and we go, Oh God, I've blown it. He, he, I've, blown, I've, blown, I've spent all this time and I feel like I've messed up. I've blown it. You know, and, and we can feel that way and we think that God doesn't like us. Or we think that God isn't pleased with us. And we can assume those things, but that may not be the case. And so Peter is feeling this way and he's feeling like, you know, like I've messed up. I've blown it. Done all this kind of stuff. A few days later, Jesus comes back to life. He's raised from the dead. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He has incredible victory. And so two days later, they hear about it and the whole story, they run to the tomb and the tomb's empty and, and all this. And then a couple of occasions, Jesus, they meet Jesus. Peter sees him and they see, he walks in the room and, and a few things happen and you can read through the Bible. But for about two weeks, Peter never gets to have really a conversation with Jesus about that whole denying thing. And, and in these two weeks, what do you think Peter did? This is what he actually did, because the Bible hints it a few, t- few times, that in that two weeks, he, Peter was a fisherman. That was his job before he met Jesus. He actually met Jesus at the boats where Jesus came down and said, follow me. And so he's a fisherman. So what do you think Peter did when he's feeling like, I've messed up, I've blown it. Jesus is not happy with me. What do you think Peter did? He went back fishing. How many times when sometimes you think you've messed up and you think you've blown it and you think that, you know, God's not happy with you or you think you've just written it off, what do we do? It's so easy to go back to our old ways in life. It's so easy to go back to what we used to do before we met Jesus. It's so easy to go back to, I used to be an alcoholic. I used to take this substance. I used to, I used to speak like this. I used to, I'll just go and hang out with my old mates. I know they're into some dodgy stuff, but I'll go see what they're doing. Or I, or I might go back to this. Or I might go back to that. And, and, I, and I might start watching that again. Because we feel we're messed up. And we feel like we're, you know, that God's not pleased with us. And, and Peter, for two weeks, he's like had this battle going on thinking, I don't even know if Jesus wants to talk to me anymore. I think I've blown it. I don't think, I don't think I've, I've made it. He sort of marked me off the list. I'm back down the bottom again. It's or whatever. And he's thinking all this stuff. 
And so we go forward in time for two weeks. And it says in John chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the, by the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the, son of, the sons of Zebedee, two of them, and two other disciples. There's about seven of them. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Because that's what they've been doing. He goes, I'm going fishing. You know, they're on the lake. They've been sitting there. What are we going to do? I'm going fishing. And they said, well, we'll come too. So, because Peter's a leader, right? He's like, he was a leader with the disciples and he's still a leader. They're all hanging out together still. They haven't seen, they've seen Jesus a couple of times. They don't know where Jesus is coming or going or he's walking through a wall or he's doing this, he's doing that and he just appears here, appears there. They're still trying to work it all out. And so they thought, well, we're on the beat, let's go fishing. So it's an afternoon because they used to fish at night. He says, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Who's been out in the boat and caught nothing all night? few of you I see those hands okay good and at dawn at dawn Jesus was standing on the beach but they didn't re- recognize it was Jesus but the disciples couldn't see who it was he called out fellas if you caught any fish he knew they hadn't caught any of them because he's Jesus and so he's like I oh, will say it anyway got any fish you know they're probably 100 meters 150 meters out and uh and they said no no, no fish. No, they replied. Then he said, well, we'll throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll get some. Now, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be thinking, I've heard this before. Because it's happened before once, you know. Like a few years ago, you know, that's happened before. They'd be like, who else said to throw your net on the other side of the boat? And so they don't argue about it. It says, so they did it. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Which is an incredible miracle, actually. You've been fishing all night and your net's in the same place all night and you caught nothing. And then, and then someone goes, yeah, throw it on the other side of the boat, you know, two meters that way, and, um, and you'll get heaps. And they do, and the net's so full of fish. Then the disciple Jesus loved, which was John, says to Peter, imagine this moment, says to Peter, it's the Lord. He said, I think that's Jesus. And so this is what Peter does. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, because he'd been like stripped down to work or whatever, put on his tunic, out of garment, stripped down for work, jumped into the water. He didn't want to, didn't like, let's roll in, boys. Straight in the water. A couple of, 150 meters, 100 meters or whatever, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the load and loaded the net to, uh, loaded the net to the shore for they were only a hundred yards from the shore when they got there they found breakfast waiting for them fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread obviously jesus had caught some fish that night when they were catching none somehow he just made them appear bring some of the fish you've just caught jesus said so simon peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore there are 150 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn I've looked at that line so many times thinking the Bible says things and sometimes there's a reason it puts, that God puts everything in the Bible. It says 150 large fish. So God wants us to know how many fish there were. I haven't worked out the full reason why that's there yet. And yet the net didn't tear. In other words, God's alerting us to something there that said usually the net should have torn, 
but the net didn't tear. So this was a supernatural event because there's 150 large fish which shouldn't have been there because they've been fishing all night and God put them there just for that moment for them to catch those fish. And the net should have torn, but it didn't tear because it was a supernatural event that Jesus wanted to show and teach something through it because he wanted this moment to happen for the benefit of one person and that one person was Jesus, uh, was Peter. And so... Peter realized this is supernatural, this must be Jesus, this has happened before. And so he jumps out of the boat, goes to the shore. And, says, and then and Jesus says, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They're like, we're not going to dare ask him because that'd be offensive. We all know that it's Jesus. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, now listen to this, do you love me more than these? So he's got all these disciples sitting, standing around, 11 of them now, Judas isn't there. And he, they're all sitting there on the beach. And he says in front, do you love me, Peter, more than all these other people sitting here? In front of everyone. And Peter says, yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you. And he says, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Now when it says, you think, well, why did Jesus go and tell him to feed some animals? That's not what he's saying. When the Bible talks about lambs and sheep, it's referring to actually a, a, a picture of people. So a lamb would be talking about someone who was young. A lamb was, a, was someone who's young. So when he's talking about it, he's talking about someone who is maybe a brand new or young Christian. And so he says to Peter, if you love me, then you feed the people that are brand new, that are new Christians, those that have just coming to know me. I want you to feed them. I want you to impart what or how I've imparted to you. I want you to impart that into their lives, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then he says, then take care of my sheep. A sheep isn't a lamb. A sheep is a lamb that's grown up. So then he said, I want you to impart into those that are are grown up, Christians that have grown, that have known me for a while, who have been discipled, who have have grown up. I want you to um, take care of them, look after them, watch over them and help them. Then he says a third time, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Do you think for a moment that says that Peter was hurt when he asked for the third time? Do you think that that mirrored how Jesus may have felt the third time that Peter denied him? And maybe... Jesus was making a point to say, he said, do you love me? And he said, you know, when you denied me those three times, he said, that hurt as well. But he was saying, I haven't given up on you. I love you. And I'm just wanting to know if you love me still. 
And then he says, then feed my sheep. In other words, he's, and I, I see that as when you're feeding, a sheep is something that's already grown up. It's not a lamb anymore. It's not grown, when you're feeding something, you want it to grow more. So I see that as saying, well, I want you to impart and, and speak in the lives of people and, make, and grow these people into leaders. New Christians, people that have grown and been disciples, and then those, I want you to train leaders. I want you to train leaders. And that's just kind of a, a side note and all this, but he was speaking about people and what he wanted Peter to do. He said, in other words, he's saying, I haven't given up on you. You denied me three times. Three times he denies him. And then three times he reinstates Peter by asking three questions. Do you love me? And if you love me, I've got this job for you. If you love me, then I want you to do this. If you love me, I'm going to trust you with this. If you love me, I want you to you know, just do all this. And so Peter is sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know what this is going to be. Jesus might want to say, look, I'm going to move you aside and bring someone else up. But Peter is sitting there and Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you know, I love you too. I love you too. It's not you haven't, you haven't messed up. You haven't missed it. He said, I've still got a plan for your life. I'm still going to use you. I've still, it's still not over, Peter. That's grace, yeah. And so it's an incredible picture of Jesus. It, it wasn't Peter that went and pursued Jesus. It was Jesus who went and pursued Peter. It wasn't Peter that went walking and thinking, where's Jesus going to show up? It was Jesus that came to the beach at that exact time that knew Peter where he knew exactly where Peter was. That came to the beach and prepared a fire and, and fish. And he was the one that spoke a word and created a miracle to happen when they caught all those fish just to grab their attention. Just for them to realize that's Jesus and that's all it took. For Peter said, I'm not waiting a single moment anymore. I need to go talk to Jesus. And he swim, gets out of the boat, goes into the shore and meets Jesus. He, and he waited. He waited because he said, I need to have this conversation. Maybe he was waiting for a moment for it was just him and Jesus to talk. But, but, G, but Peter, Jesus comes out and asks him the question in front of everyone. Because he denied Jesus in front of everyone. But reinstated him in front of everyone as well. And just like Jesus reached out to Peter, he reaches out to you and me. And so sometimes we can get ourselves in position, you know, it can be through the week or something and we do something or we mess up or we think, I'll never ever do that again. I'll never watch that again. I'll never, I know it's not right and I won't do it, but then we go and do it or we muck up or we do something. And and ourselves, we're so disappointed. We're going, God, I've just messed up and, I know about, you know, your grace and things, but you're still, it's like you're beating yourself up. We get in a position where it's like you beat yourself up and Peter got in a position where he, he saw how loving Jesus was. He saw how kind he was. He saw the grace over in, in Jesus when, when the adulterous woman was dragged out and they're going to stone her to death. And, and Jesus just, they said, you, you throw the first stone, Jesus says. And he, and he says, if there's any sin in your life, there's no sin in your life, then you know, then you throw the first stone. And, and so he just begins to write in the sand and probably write down all their sins and all their mistakes. And, and one by one, these men that were going to stone this woman, they drop the rocks and walk away. And, and Peter saw that and saw the incredible grace 
that Jesus, and mercy Jesus had for someone who was clearly in the wrong. And that, at that moment in time, that's an incredible sin that they would take people and they would punish them publicly and kill them for it. So he'd seen incredible grace. And knowing all this stuff and seeing all this stuff, he's like walking around going, I've messed up, I've messed up, I've messed up, I should have done better. And sometimes we can walk around knowing what Jesus has done, but we can still beat ourselves up when all that time... Jesus is there pursuing you, saying, come on. You love me? I know you love me. Do you love me? Well, I've still got a plan for you. Do you love me? Then get up. Let's go. You love me? Don't stay in that position. Don't stay thinking about that stuff. Come on, get up. I've got a plan for you. Go and, go and help this person. Go and help that person. I need you to speak into that person's life. I need you to help this and do that and do that. And so his incredible plan for us. He is always pursuing us. He is always pursuing you. He is always wanting to draw near to you, and he wants you to draw near to him. I've just written here, Jesus doesn't want you to feel guilty or ashamed. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. Can I have the worship team coming up? Makes me want to eat marshmallows every time I look at that fire all the time. Why don't we stand to our feet tonight? If you go on reading in the book of Acts from that moment on, and you begin to read about Peter and what happened, and, the, and the, read about the Holy Spirit, Jesus then speaks to them and and the power, you know, he says, I'm, I'm about to go again. He says, I'm, well, I'm leaving again. <laughs> they go, oh, you know. He said, well, I have to go because I'm going to send one who is a great counselor, who's going who's to fill you with fire, who's going to fill you with power. And he said, I have to go so the Holy Spirit can come. And it was, wasn't long after that time, a few weeks later, that Jesus went. They saw him go in the clouds. And he says, wait in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit was poured out exactly 50 days after Jesus was um, crucified. And, and so on that day, Peter was there with 120 others. Peter who had messed up, Peter who had, you know, thought he'd missed it. Jesus reinstated him and spent more time with him. And they filled with the Holy Spirit. And who was it? that when it counted was the one that walked out in front of the 120 others and began to speak the most incredible message. It was Peter. Peter, who thought he was a write-off, Peter, who thought that he missed it, was the one that spoke and spoke incredibly well. And they, he, was, he was just a fisherman, but he spoke incredibly well all because the Holy Spirit came upon him. And as he spoke and talked about Jesus and his life and, and what he'd done, 3,000 people surrender their lives to him and say, we're going to follow Jesus and they'll baptize at that, that day. Peter, who thought he'd missed it, became an incredible leader. And I simply want to say tonight that maybe there's some people here that maybe you thought, maybe you've done some stuff and maybe stuff have happened in life and you thought you missed it. And you think, if, if I'd have done that right when I was younger, if I'd done that, 
you know, this time or that time that maybe God would have used me. And I want to tell you that you haven't missed it. You know, there's, I remember Smith Wigglesworth didn't start his ministry until he was in his 50s. And people say, oh, you've missed it. You've missed it. And God used him incredibly for 10 to 20 years or whatever it was. And greater than people that maybe don't for long, longer in time. So God can do anything with anyone at any age. And so you can think that maybe I've missed it. Maybe I've, God can't use me. No, that's not the case. He's actually pursuing you. Saying, I've still got, I've still got you in mind. Plan's still there. And maybe you've carried some guilt and some shame and some hurt and maybe things have happened to you and maybe you thought, God, is that his fault or who was that person's fault or maybe there's some unforgiveness and and maybe you're blaming that or blaming that or maybe you're blaming yourself. Peter probably walked around blaming himself. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that for those two weeks. Why did I say that? I wasn't going to do it. I did it. And, And maybe you felt like that and maybe you know in your head that you know, what Jesus has done for you, but maybe it hasn't filtered down to your heart. And maybe you're still struggling at times. And I want to pray tonight for those that think they've missed it, but realize that God still has a plan. And that tonight, I'm going to invite people to come and just walk out of your seats and stand at this halls, and maybe you feel a bit like that at times, and feel at time might be all the time but at times you feel like you miss it and I want you to walk out tonight and lay all that guilt all that shame those and that enemy sometimes reminds the people here of mistakes you've made in the past and you think oh because of that if I hadn't have done that it would have been different now and tonight I want you to lay it all down at the cross because God's forgotten about it he's already forgotten about it he wants to just remove that and say yep made some mistakes Peter made some mistakes too but I've still got a plan I've still got a purpose I have I've still going to use you powerfully so we're just going to begin to sing a song right now in this place and if you want to respond to this I want you to step out of your seat and just come and stand at this altar tonight and let God just minister and speak to you to do all kinds of stuff but Jesus has always pursued you 
Jesus has always been watching. Jesus has always been, he's seen you and he's seen the potential. He's never given up on you. He's seen you in your brokenness. He's seen you in your shame. He's seen you in all that stuff you've been caught up in. But he says, I've still got a plan. He's never written you off. And there's miracles. There's miracles inside of people standing in this altar. There's incredible miracles yet to happen. God wants you to believe it, that you are a miracle. He wants you to believe that you have incredible purpose, that you are put on this earth for purpose. There's no one else like you. God created you just the way you are, and He didn't make a mistake. some of them from death. You've rescued some of them from incredibly tough and bad situations, but you always have watched over them. And I pray right now in this moment that they would let go of any guilt and any shame. They would let go of the past and those thoughts that have, that have held them bound in certain ways because they thought, if I'd only done this, if I could only go back and change that, if I could only do this, or if I could only do that. And right now, God is saying, let that go. The past is in the past. And He says, look, I have an incredible future for you. And I thank you, Lord God, that right now that they could lay that down. That shame and guilt fall off fall off I thank you Lord for your incredible grace I thank you Lord for your incredible mercy and I thank you Lord God that they are fearfully and wonderfully made I thank you Lord that you haven't given up on them but there's incredible purpose there's much more to come there's much more to come there's much more to come. There's much more to come. There's much more to come. I thank you, God, that you don't write us off. You never give up on us. I thank you, Lord God, that you have an incredible plan for his life. And this is only the beginning of what God is going to do. Lord, I pray for your love right now. pray for your love, love that has full of compassion, love that is unconditional, unstoppable love, I pray would flood their heart, would flood their lives, and they would know that they are loved by you, that they are loved by you, they are loved by you. 
Just stay standing there for a moment. The Holy Spirit is just working on you. done that or maybe you've done it once a long time ago but you feel you're away from him and saying tonight I want to make sure that I know him, I want to know him if that's you I want you to raise your hand awesome is there anyone else you want to do that tonight you want to do that tonight Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.